broken promises, and now a little payback. A big legal settlement has the University of Phoenix canceling $141 million in student debt, but there is a lot more to the story than that headline. We'll explain on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from just outside Detroit, Michigan, in my mom's half-finished basement where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Today's podcast is brought to you by M1 Finance, smart money management, take control and personalize your finances, invest, borrow and spend seamlessly all in one platform. How does it work? Head to uh, m the number one finance.com forward slash MWF for more. That's m1finance.com forward slash MWF. How about that? Some people with student loans waking up this morning, Bobby, and feeling pretty good about themselves. Well, they're feeling good that I think they got some justice, but there's, as I mentioned in the cold open, there's a lot more to this story. It's not as simple as it sounds. When I saw the headline, it wasn't what I thought. Let's just leave it at that. That's that's, that's right. And we there's won't. There's the teaser. I was going to say, we won't leave it at that. Let's see who's going to help us kick this thing off. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. Our headline today is from NBC News and written by the Associated Press. The University of Phoenix and its parent company have agreed to pay $50 million in cash and cancel, cancel $141 million in student debt to settle allegations of deceptive advertisement brought by the Federal Trade Commission. The deal announced uh, Tuesday settles a dispute over an ad campaign the for-profit college launched in 2012 touting partnerships with companies including Microsoft, Twitter, and Adobe. They suggested the school work with those companies to create job opportunities for students, even though there was no such agreement investigators found. The Federal Trade Commission said the settlement is the largest the agency has ever obtained against a for-profit college. Bobby? Students, this is a quote from Andrew Smith, director of the Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of Consumer Protection. He says, quote, students making important decisions about their education need the facts, not fantasy job opportunities that do not exist. The University of Phoenix said in a statement that much of the dispute focused on a single ad campaign that ran from 2012 to 2014. It said it had agreed to deal to the deal to, quote, avoid any further distraction from serving students. And they also say that the campaign occurred under prior ownership and concluded before the FTC's inquiry began. We continue to believe the university acted appropriately. And I think we can sort of summarize it from there. The 50 yeah. million, by the way, that payment is going to be used to help consumers who were misled by the ad. So maybe that is going to pay back people that don't have student debt. Because what I wondered with this is, Okay, the 141 million, they're forgiving the student debt, but what about people that pay their student debt or just paid? They should also get some compensation. Yeah, the, the, this will only apply going down a little further. Uh, uh, students who first enrolled between October 1st, 2012 and the end of 2016, letters are going to be sent to borrowers saying they no longer owe payments to the school. Schools also barred from making false claims about its relationship with companies or employers. I never even thought about that, Bobby. If you paid your your bills on time, like it, it, these people still got cheated. 
Right. So yeah, exactly. I mean, so what I was alluding to earlier in the show was when I first read this, I thought it was kind of like the um, politicians were hearing about the talk about let's just forgive student debt. This has nothing to do with that whole idea. That's a separate thing. This is really a consumer story about people that were, it sounds like, you know, sold a bill of goods that just wasn't true. And it's as simple as that. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the concept of student debt. It has to do with uh, making consumers whole that did not get what they thought they were buying. This is interesting to me because of the fact that there's, uh, especially this time of year when there's so much marketing going on, right? And so many people fighting over your wallet, like seriously thinking about the claims that companies make, Um and, and, and just nothing against the University of Phoenix, but I think about some of these big institutions, very difficult to work for. And University of Phoenix talking about the fact that they have relationships where they can get you into working with these companies much more easily than other avenues. I mean, immediately my, my meter kind of goes up going, I, I, I'm not sure what type of jobs those are. Right. There's a big difference between saying we're going to educate you and make you qualified to work for these kind of companies. And we have an outplacement office, which most educational institutions should certainly have, and marketing themselves, which is what this sounds like as a job placement agency that will, or, or institution that will train you, but then very part of the, what you're paying for is the placements. I mean, universities don't guarantee getting you a job. They have offices and they have people that absolutely will help you and be a resource. Very different, the implication of what they promised. And, and it is interesting. They do keep pointing out throughout this article that this is a previous, uh, previous ownership. So the current management is not really taking, well, they're taking responsibility and that they are sure. having the settlement, but they're saying that we're not the bad guys. So. How, how, how uh, frustrating is it if you go to a university like Phoenix or wherever and uh, it, thinking that you've got the inside track to maybe a great job and then you have difficulty finding a job afterwards, even if you are a good student, that'd be so frustrating. And then you're way down with student debt. The flip side to this though, and this goes to what I did ask our, our Instagram people is, you know, there is some element of buyer beware and, and it seems clear based on the settlement that there was some misrepresentation going on. But when it comes to schools and there's a lot of for-profit institutions and a lot of training going on and taking out loans, Who's responsible? The schools that sometimes overpromise, or is it the students? And so I'm going to be on the spot, Joe. We asked our Instagram audience who is more responsible for overwhelming student debt: schools that overpromise on job opportunity, or students who take on too much debt and are not realistic about having a plan to pay it off. I would say with our audience, which tends to be very responsible money people, I think they have a high sense of uh, personal accountability. So I would say we're about 80% uh, on the student. No, no, 44% on the student. Oh. 44% said the students, but it, it's, it's, I mean, that's still relatively close. 44% said that the students need to be, are the ones that are responsible for taking out too much, taking on too much debt and not being realistic about how it's going to be paid off. In other words, not working through, okay, the job I'm going to get is going to pay this much. This is how much my payments will be. This is how long it'll take to pay off. And then 56% said the schools, which goes to what is going on with this court case, which is how much responsibility does the school have to bear in terms of getting students to take out these loans to basically buy their product. Yeah. Well, and and it's funny because you look at there's, I mean, there's, this is such a complicated space, the idea of student loans, because on one end, 
there should be personal accountability. On the other end, the world that we live in, the price of colleges, the uh, 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 the extent to which everybody is expected to get a degree, and it's just a checkbox on a lot of uh, a lot of job applications. There is such pressure now to have a college degree, and it's so much more expensive. And I feel like whenever I'm in a Facebook group with people that are arguing student debt. I think if you're my age, if you're in your 50s and you and you're arguing about student debt, you first have to realize that the world that you lived in when you went to college and the world that students are facing now or even the past eight, nine years, completely different place. Like it is not the same. And I think that's a big hurdle for people to get past. Well, when I was in school, I did. did, No, no, we're in a different place. And I think it's also very easy it's it's easy for us to say go get a job in the trades you know i mean go get a job in the trades sounds great here's here's the problem with that if i go and try to get a job in the trades a good paying job a great career alternative uh ways of learning outside of a very expensive college uh experience with 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 a high roi if you get that job if for some reason that job doesn't work out you're screwed so I can I can see somebody who might want to be an electrician deciding not to, because if I'm 17, I want to be an electrician, and instead of going to 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 college, I I I get a, some some technical training in in that area, and then I decide a few years later I didn't want that. Where does that leave me? Then I feel like I'm way behind. So I th- I think it's very easy to say go get a job in the trades or well when I was your age. I think the argument here is a lot. It's a lot more. It's a lot more nuanced, I think, than people want to uh, pretend it is. Yeah, I definitely think so. We had some strong opinions from our audience on Instagram. We asked them for their opinion on uh, the whole student debt crisis, and we got some interesting answers. Do you want to share some of them? You have some of them? You want me to do some? You know, uh, uh, I I don't have them pulled up. (laughs) All right. So I guess I will do some of those. And this goes actually to exactly what you were saying. And this is from the handle is Super Abundant Minds. It's it's spot on to what you just said. It's no average 18-year-old has that kind of money. No average parent could have foreseen these rising costs. Yeah, Yeah, I do see these now. And and. Obviously, because it's the same point, super abundant mind that I just made. I think you're brilliant. So, <laughs> Jay Varghese, uh, 81, says a lot of blame to go around. But to be fair, the median student debt's not too bad as a percentage of entry level salary. That's a good. That's a good cost comparison to make. And we're going to do a story about on Monday about. Um, about you know degrees and what they pay, but but there are lots of places. Uh, 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 Glassdoor, Department of uh, Department of Labor Statistics, where you can see what entry level salary is going to be for different jobs. My daughter and I went through this when she was deciding what she wanted to do, and she was comparing two things that she felt about equally. And so we just went and we looked at salaries, and there was a huge discrepancy. So that that was another piece of data. It didn't create exactly what she went into it wasn't all about the money but but knowing those statistics is a is a great thing yeah and i think that you educated your daughter that's not always true we have a comment from sarah and she says students are kids schools have learned students will get loans and are gouging imho in my humble opinion so basically her opinion is that um schools know that they can get 
the tuition money, they're basically telling people to borrow the money so that they can come and, you know, be clients of the school, you know, they can get the business and the students don't know what they're doing. I mean, at 18, I certainly would not have known what I was doing to sign a, a massive loan like that. That is not forgiven. I mean, sure. it's, you know, student loans are stick with you. Eighteen-year-old with parents that might not have gone to college, making a decision, um, and everybody else is going to college. What the, the 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 big problem here, Joe's opinion? The big problem is when 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 any institution guarantees a loan, it becomes free money for the university. The university really sees that as, hey, if I get everybody to take one of these, that's money in my pocket. So why wouldn't I tell people, hey, it's a college education. Everybody's got to get a college education. You know, it's like it's like realtors when they talk about uh, everybody needs to own a house. And mm-hmm. realtors, I'm not ripping you. I'm just saying that when you know where somebody's bread is buttered, you probably need to discount that opinion. But here, when you've got right. a government backing loans... It, it 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 creates ugliness, and I think that's a big driver. It's not the only driver, but I think that's a big driver of the problem we have right now. Let's let's get to another one of these. Uh, uh, I am the real spoon. Wonder what that really means. I'm the real spoon. I've I've encouraged. I love people's uh, handles. I've encouraged my daughter to take little debt as possible, and only because she's in a high demand science. That's cool. I mean, looking at looking at high demand areas. Once again, foreshadowing, Bobby, we're going to talk about that that, that on Monday. Uh, we also have some comments here uh, live with us on our Facebook page. We do this live in front of a Facebook audience, which is why Bobby was able to out me that I wasn't prepared with, with <laughs> stuff right then. Ron is with us. He said, skilled trade here. Luckily, this is what I was made for. Learned on the job. Now in management with some on the floor activity still. 24 years experience outweighs any degree. Amen. If you yeah. can, if you can, and you know that's what you're made for, fantastic opportunities in skilled trades. Absolutely and fantastic. I, I, I love the idea that you also can train yourself now. There's so many resources, online courses that you can buy where you can self-teach so many different things and adapt. I mean, the world is so different from when you and I graduated college in terms of, um, we're going to do another story about top emerging jobs later on this month. And it looks totally different from when we were in school. Those jobs, most of them did not exist. Yeah. And, and Ron, uh, back with us again, says he's in aerospace. So this isn't an area, you know, this isn't, this isn't repairing toilets and nothing wrong with repairing toilets, but he's doing jobs that when you think about skilled trades in aerospace, uh, I don't think a lot of people think of that. Thanks for, Thanks for that. Lauren is hanging out with us and says, from the perspective of the student, you don't necessarily know the full extent of the fine print when you're investing in your educational and financial future. Totally agree. I remember, Lauren, when I took out my student loans and once again, whole different world then, but but I didn't really care. I just I just wanted money today and I'd figure out repayment later. Didn't Didn't really think about it. Didn't cross my mind much. My parents had no college education. So they, they didn't know what to think about student loans. Um, very difficult for an 18 year old to make those, make those decisions. In just a second, uh, Bobby and I are going to have our final thoughts on this topic. Lots of people with thoughts on this topic, of course. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about M1 Finance. It's a brokerage account that I use. What I really like about M1 Finance is as a former financial planner, I can work in pies 
with my asset allocation. You know, whenever you look at your investments online, it always looks like a pie chart. Well, instead of just making individual investments, you're working with the entire pie. You divide it into sections. I want 35% of my money in bonds, 25% in large company stocks, and the rest in small company stocks. That's a horrible allocation. But my point is, is not that. It's that you work in percentages. And guess what? The trades are free. And then when it comes time to rebalance your portfolio and make sure you stay on those percentages, you press one button and one finance makes all the trades to get you right back on track. And not only that, if you've got money in account, but it's for different goals, you can have multiple pies in one account, something I don't see anywhere else. So for more on how that works, head to uh, m1finance.com forward slash MWF. That's M, the number one finance.com forward slash MWF. Bobby, what's our what's our big takeaway today? All right. My takeaway is that there is no excuse for literally lying to students, taking their money and then leaving them in debt. And while the new owners are pointing to their predecessors, okay, that's fair. It is still on them to have done their due diligence before taking over this company. So I'm glad that they are paying. I am so sad for the students that have since 2012 had to deal with the stress of the impact of this reckless behavior messing with their lives. Enough really is enough. I hope this sets a precedent for other companies, not only to do right by their students from the past, but more importantly, to stop doing this going forward. I, I, yeah, I love that. And I hope that that, uh, I hope that's the case, right? Yeah. That was a little harsh, but not yeah. really. No, but but, but 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 you know what? Sadly, we're the, there's going to be some other school, Bobby. It's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it is happening. The I'm sure. um, uh, uh, my takeaway is is around how you decide whether you're going to not just for college education, but for any decision. I was at a coaching class a few weeks ago and we talked about when you're in the middle of your decision-making to look at the best thing that could happen. If everything goes right, what happens? And in this case, if everything goes right, hey, I might be able to work for Microsoft, Google, one of these tech companies that that supposedly University of Phoenix said that they were partnering with that they weren't formally partnering with. On the other hand, though, I shouldn't always just look at the world as if it's glass half full. I also need to write down what the worst case scenario looks like and then think about how do I eliminate all of those possibilities. And the worst case scenario might be I take out a bunch of student loan debt and I end up with no job. What do I do then? I think whenever you get into any debt, not only is about the best case scenario ROI, but also the worst case scenario ROI. And I hope you know, you talked about the companies, you know, and the universities, Bobby. I think on the personal accountability piece, if you if you um, do a little bit of that A-B when you're making your decision, hopefully you won't be one of the people that got stuck with this. Because potentially, let's say this, this settlement never happened. You could have gone to school for completely the wrong reasons. Yep, exactly. And you're stuck. And they didn't know necessarily that this settlement was happening all this time. So that's why I talk about all the stress for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, big thanks to everybody hanging out with us. Uh, Whether you're listening to the podcast, you're with us hanging out here on Facebook. Thanks to everybody who's left a review of the show to tell people about the show. I love the reviews lately talking about how the show's changed and how fun the show has been. I I, I absolutely love listening to the days days when I'm not on. Uh, Speaking of on, Bobby, on Monday, what are we talking about then? We are actually talking about the piece that I alluded to about emerging um, jobs for 2020. We're going to have a list of the hot jobs. 
Awesome. And we did a quiz that, uh, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to tease that we did a quiz and we asked people what they thought and you'll have to find out whether our audience was correct or not. Oh boy. With what they thought were the top jobs. How do I get through the weekend without knowing that? <laughs> just know. gonna, Just going to have to You got to make sure you're subscribed. <laughs> we'll see everybody next time. Monday, back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.